As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You know, I don't know about you, John, or listeners out there, but a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it, which I, I definitely think that's true, especially if you're like watching a game where it's the last part of like a five-team parlay where you put like five bucks on it because you know you're not like a you don't have a lot of money just throw around on gambling but a parlay is a way you can justify you're trying to spend a little money and having something come through but sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team I don't know if that's a good idea John I try not to bet on Ole Miss even though this copy says that um regardless that's that's a fair tactic, right? I, I don't know if I want to build on any old Miss coach right now. Nope. Regardless of what you've been betting for years, you're ready to play for the first time. My bookie is your best bet this season, uh, and that's really that's really true. I've actually suggested my bookie to friends. Um, I myself, if I'm interested in what a line is, I put a little money on a game or a parlay. I definitely will turn to my bookie. It's super easy. You can use it anywhere. Um, I already mentioned the parlay that's here in the talking points. Um, you, you, you like a couple of favorites this week. A parlay is a perfect play because you can bet multiple games together for a bigger payout in case you don't know. Um, if you're going to bet this season, and I'm not sure what season this is, we're kind of in a dead period, but if you're going to bet on some uh, uh, NFL, AFC, NFC championship action, you got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, obviously, NBA season's in full swing. If you're going to bet on some MLB uh, coming up here soon, you want to bet on the next team to, to, to come down with the Astros as this uh, league-wide cheating scandal broadens, uh, you should do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie. If you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit if you use our promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. C-H-A-I-R, double your cash on your first deposit. So go to mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, on to the show. After Dark, weekly dispatch from the dystopian reality that is Ole Miss Athletics. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, joined tonight, just as I always am, by my trusty co-host, John Stefanczyk. Uh, what's up, John? We were just discussing your uh, your upcoming continental, transcontinental travels, heading back to Europe like you used to do all the time. Yeah, we're going to make an appearance. We're going to be in Munich on Saturday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You think you're gonna uh, get a good reception? They've missed having you over there. I mean, the vice beer. They they love the vice beer. So what's it? So, I mean, you know, I, I think there's a tradition on the show of discussing the weather, especially at the top of the show. How does how does German February compare to uh, to where you're at in New Hampshire? So they're actually like it's supposed to be like 50 degrees over there. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's Fahrenheit. What what is that in Celsius? What would they call that? Hell, it's what is it like? Fourteen or something less? Uh, fifty would be like eight nine degrees Celsius. Damn, I'm so bad at converting to Celsius. Okay. We're, we're not gonna spend much time on this. Ten degrees Celsius. Well, yeah. So what? Well, that's a little better than where you're at in New Hampshire, huh? Supposed to be negative three here tomorrow night, and I will be Jesus. over the Atlantic. So we're that's, taking that. That's horrible. Speaking of New Hampshire, what was the what was the weather like? I was wondering this because uh, the turnout turned out to be pretty good, but it, it was it was looking like it was going to be low early in the night. What was the weather on? Uh, what was it Tuesday when you were first in the nation primary over there? Yeah. So see, we had record turnout, and uh-huh. we counted our shit and turned it in a timely manner. So, uh-huh. unlike Iowa, New Hampshire had a competent performance. Well, it helps that there's it's just like a an election, you know. It's not some made up other system where people have to like go debate with their neighbors about what corner to stand in. So, and and, and it probably helps also there wasn't some sort of a a terrible app trying to be used there. Yeah, yeah, hmm. a much more much more mitigated agenda. So was the the how was the energy level? I assume it was it was pretty hectic around there for a couple of days at least. I mean, there was a lot of media attention for sure. After the after the primary, does it kind of just like deflate? How do people in the state handle I mean, it after the spotlight well, leaves? We're talking about one point three total million people total. Uh huh. I mean, we can it can only get so chaotic at that point. But I mean, you could kind of tell. I mean, I could sense Klobuchar was going to have a good night, uh-huh. just kind of based on where things were at, attitudes, the demeanor, demeanor for lack of a better term around here. Um, for terms of executing an election and polling, I mean, New Hampshire's got it down pretty damn good. I mean, you felt that you felt a lot of uh, Klob momentum in the days leading up to the election. You could just tell, hey, that she she's gonna she's gonna draw a certain representation out of the whole ordeal. So, what did you what leading up to the primary? What, who who's like signs canvassers? Who who do you see the most where you're at? Um, you saw some of everybody. I would say you saw Buttigieg and Klobuchar mm-hmm. probably the most in terms of volume. There's a big there's a decent sized lot in downtown Dover. It's got a shit ton of Biden signs. They had a they had a terrible night. Yeah. And then big, big Warren sign. I drive by a Warren sign, a Biden sign um, every morning to work. And obviously they got their ass handed to them. Uh-huh. Um, Bernie probably has the least amount of signage. But if you look at Dover, Bernie won Dover fairly, fairly convincingly. Uh-huh. Um. So I said I'd vote for Pete last week. I actually I did the I did a signing day flip to Bernie. Oh, that's uh, that's very good of you, John. I appreciate that. Good job. Welcome. You can go. You can go thank John Malone, lead recruiter for Bernie Sanders. That's good. No, that's as it should be. That that's a that's a, that was a good move on your part. We don't we don't need president consultant. We don't we I don't mean, need another. To keep it simple, anybody that gets treated as bad as Bernie did by the Democratic establishment and how Iowa got manipulated. Mm. Nobody, I don't, nobody deserves to be treated that way. Yeah. So, well, and if you're if you're being treated like that by a organization as ineffective and uh, somewhat corrupt as the DNC, you're probably doing something right, right? You probably have some uh, yeah. so, something good about you as a candidate. 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, so Bernie won the New Hampshire primary, obviously. Uh, People were, I think, underwhelmed because he had beaten Hillary by so much in the past. But it's hard to compare, in my opinion, a a two-candidate race to a a field the size that is now. Uh, Speaking of the the field, how about Andrew Yang dropping out? Were you sad to see him go? He was was an interesting addition, for sure. I had some interesting ideas, concepts, but you know what? He he got out of the way at the right time. I give him that. Yeah, and now we're getting to the point where it's it's kind of like let's throw out the outliers. So like throw out you know Tom Steyer, Tulsi Gabbard. If you talk about the core candidates, so Biden, Warren, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Bernie, whoever drops out next is going to be it's it's going to be a significant campaign that's coming to an end. So I don't know when that's going to be. It might be after Super Tuesday. Um, but it's it's getting to the point where they're actually only somewhat at least legitimate campaigns campaigns that have raised a lot of money uh left in the race at this point so it kind of gets more real now i'd say yeah do you think biden wins south carolina yeah i think biden wins south carolina i think bernie does better there than expected because i I feel like he's he's not being given much credit i mean I, i don't know how much stock we put into polling these days uh the way the last few years and the last month have has gone but I mean, Buttigieg is projected to do very poorly there uh, and very poorly in a lot of states that aren't, you know, like extremely white. So we'll see how that goes. Yep, agree. Nevada is an interesting one for sure. Um, I I could see that going a lot of different ways from Klobuchar to Bernie to Biden even or I mean, maybe even Buttigieg. I don't know. This whole thing with the the Las Vegas or the I don't know if it's a Las Vegas culinary union or the Nevada culinary union is interesting um they're they 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 don't want medicare for all so that's they're definitely not going to endorse bernie i think they said tonight they're not going to endorse anybody but that's like a huge very powerful group over there um there's there's a lot of moving pieces in that primary so south carolina nevada and then it'll be super tuesday and that's when it's going to get super real because there's like 10 or 12 states i want to say maybe more uh and after that we'll have a, a, a lot of the delegates distributed and actually really have an idea of I think yeah. where this is headed. I saw today that 538 is now projecting it to be like a two and five chance that Bernie wins. Maybe that Bernie has the most delegates. A two and five chance that no one has the most delegates, and then everybody else would be one and five. So, I mean, it's it's gonna be. Honestly, I think it's gonna be a shit show. But it's it's very much an open race. If you like horse race politics, if you like following um, the primaries, like deep into the spring and early summer leading up to the convention. I, I think we're heading probably towards a, uh, a a convention that will decide the nominee. And if and you, you, you spoke about the way Sanders maybe was treated in Iowa, I think that's, that's surely just an entree to what's going to happen down the stretch here with the DNC. Um, really, no matter how well Bernie does. And, you know, after Iowa, New Hampshire, I don't think Bernie's going to win on a landslide. It, it That seems unlikely. So assuming he has a, a narrow plurality or even majority of delegates, I think you're going to see a lot of um, shifty shadiness on the part of the establishment that definitely don't want Sanders to be the nominee for various reasons. Yeah, frankly, I kind of thought, I think I thought Bernie didn't win New Hampshire by enough Tuesday night. Yeah, I think if you were hoping that Bernie's movement is going to is going to be big enough and strong enough to crush any type of like dissent from the establishment or the other candidates, I would say Iowa, New Hampshire should um, 
uh, disabuse you of that notion, in my opinion. I mean, it's just it, it, he can he can definitely win, but I think it's gonna it's it's gonna take. Um, I just I, I don't know I I don't I don't think that they're gonna let him be the nominee even if he's the most popular. Uh, and, and if you were hoping he was gonna be so popular, it was gonna be undeniable. I don't know if that's playing out thus far. Um, but it'll yeah. it'll be a long race. We'll see. You know, maybe he and. Elizabeth Warren can make up and maybe they can they can have a ticket together. The problem is I, I don't think at least thus far, and again, Iowa and New Hampshire aren't like the most um representative of the rest of the country when it comes to demographics, but thus far, obviously Warren and Bernie together aren't enough to beat a unified moderate ticket. Uh just with the the support we've seen. But um, it'll be interesting to see South Carolina, and, and really, I'm I'm looking forward to, to Super Tuesday to get a better picture. I think after that, we should be able to predict um, at least one of the two or three ways this is probably going to turn out. Um, but but for now, we have early indicators. But I just I I don't know. It's it's so many unknowns still. It's it's going to be a long uh, it's going to be a long spring, John. That's all I got. Yeah, and frankly, I mean, if I'm if you're a, if you're a hard hardcore Trump guy, you're you're feeling pretty good right now. I think, for better or for worse. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's something that a lot of Democrats uh, aren't talking about, and and also the Democrat that we haven't mentioned in all of this, uh, deliberately waiting until Super Tuesday to apparently try to get on any ballots. Mike Bloomberg already spent three hundred million dollars. His basic pitch is that he can outspend Trump, uh, which kind of highlights the insane amount of money that Trump and his campaign have been fundraising and spending and will be spending. Um, it's they're, they're going to go all out. Um, Trump learned some things, um, kind of trial and error, or really he didn't have the money to, to buy TV ads to compete with Hillary. So his campaign spent almost all of their, their money down the stretch in 2016 on social media ads and Google ads. Uh, and it turned out to be an amazing play for them. And they're they're only going to lean into that harder. Now that they do have the money, they're going to completely overwhelm uh, online advertising. They can buy TV ads now. It's it's going to be an all-out onslaught. I, I really think um, probably the biggest decider in November is going to be something that neither party or candidates really has that much control over, uh, which is the, what happens with the economy. Um, I think it's it's very strong right now, and that's a that's a huge selling point for Trump on re-election. Uh, whether or not you think he took over an economy that was already doing well from Obama, which of course he did, but it's hard to deny, even as someone that doesn't like Trump, that the economy has hasn't. I mean, the economy has gotten stronger uh, in the last three years. Um, so that's that's going to be something major that helps buoy him in November. I, I almost think that the economy's strength right now kind of counterbalances all of the anti-Trump sentiment that was in the air back in 2016 after he won when you seem to have this big popular movement. And then people said the midterms is going to be a big ground of support and the Democrats did well in the midterms, but it still wasn't like, it wasn't like a complete rebuke of Trump across the board. I mean, they took the house, the, the Senate was always going to be almost impossible from the take in 2018. But so that was expected. But I guess my point is all of the anti-Trump sentiment for, from, you know, how much of an asshole he is, his social policies, how stupid he is, you know, the, the obvious stuff. I almost think that's counterbalanced by how good people feel about the economy right now. So I think it's going to be tough for a Democrat to win. Um, policies will have something to do with it. I think if Bernie's the nominee or, I mean, maybe even Elizabeth Warren, although that's looking pretty unlikely now, some of the policies they 
um, a spouse from Medicare for all to college debt forgiveness, that kind of stuff. Maybe you can bring people out that don't normally vote and that could be one path to success. But I think if you're thinking about just winning a traditional election that we've seen the last, you know, 30 years or however long you want to go back to Carter and Reagan, um, it's going to be really hard to run against Trump's economy for the Bidens of the world. Uh, and the, the Pete's of the, the P's and Amy's of the world, since they seem like the moderate front runners right now or the Bloomberg's. I, I really think that Pete and Bloomberg and Biden all definitely lose to Trump. Amy is a little bit more of a wild card, although it's not like I think that if she's nominated, she definitely wins. Um, but I, I, I think things are, things are not great. If, if you're wanting Trump to not be elected, uh, in 2020, I, I would agree with that assessment. John. I think that's what you said. Yeah. I mean, a lot can change, a lot of moving parts, but that's kind of the vibe today. So anyway, we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, you live, you live in a blue state. I live in a blue city in a red state. Um, but it's just, I, I think Trump has a lot of support among people that don't feel the need to talk about it. I mean, obviously he has a lot of outspoken supporters as well, but I think there are people that assuming the economy stays the way it is, um, they don't see any reason to vote against Trump. You know, they, maybe they would be worried, uh, yeah. cause they care about their, their retirement and they care about their business and all that kind of stuff. And I, I do think that's going to play a huge factor, but if the economy crashes, uh, between here and November, um, you know, all bets are off. I, I, I really don't know what's going to happen. There's, there's a lot of unknowns, as you said. Speaking of crashes, so the diamond revs this year, mm. my gut says it's a mess. I just, not because of talent or anything. It just kind of feels like everybody's, everybody's just begging for a reason to move on from Bianco and, mm. Feels like given the strength of schedule and everything. Strength the schedule's tough. Um and yeah. we are we are recording this the day before Valentine's Day, so tomorrow um Ole Miss hosts number one Louisville for three games, the beginning of that very hard schedule. Um yeah, I mean I think that's the obvious prediction to make, John. It's a it's a young team, it's a hard schedule, it's Mike Bianco. What do you think about the idea that because they're supposed to be bad, because people want an excuse for Keith Carter to fire Mike Bianco? This is when he's going to, just despite the fan base, put together like a decent season, good enough to, to not have any sort of trouble with his job. Well, that's a good question. I mean, we say we, we say that Bianco can produce a few things, right? He can produce pitching. He can produce catching. I think the biggest problem for this team is going to be um, about a month and a half, two months from now, Right, so say they come out and play loose and all that stuff. It's it's so many freshmen, and the problem with that always becomes the scouting reports, um, and and they they can start out really well, and then teams learn how to pitch to them. So I think if the team is going to to be good, I would expect it to be earlier on in the season, and then run into some tough times later. But I don't know. I think people are just happy. Well. It's it's weird because people were definitely three weeks ago just ready to move on from this basketball team, uh, and they were just like they wanted Bianco Ball just to have something else to watch other than Lane Kiffin spring ball. And speaking of Lane Kiffin, you know, last time we talked was before signing day. Uh, okay, signing day missed on a lot of targets. They were in on late, whatever. It was always going to be a a transition year um, for the recruiting. I'll, we're not going to judge Lane Kiffin recruiting off of what the two months he had. In a, in a different system where basically late signing day almost doesn't matter anymore. Um, but now Kermit Davis's team is looking to have a pulse all of a sudden. They've won three in a row, just dominated Mississippi State. 
And I feel like that's made people think, well, maybe I can I can like this basketball team a little more. Maybe I'll start looking at this baseball team a little more realistically. And now we're being reminded of the fact of how much they're replacing on offense especially. But there's a lot of interesting storylines, John, on top of the fact that it's always fun to watch a young team with a lot of new talent. But then you throw in the fact that Jerry and Ely, who's like a stud running back in the SEC, is is going to start as a freshman in the outfield as well. That's that's a storyline right there. I think the the pitching is going to be maybe problematic, especially the bullpen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all sorts itself out. I've got low expectations for the year. I just kind of feel like this is going to be kind of one of those. Well, that's always the safe way to go. And and I really don't. I really have no predictions. I think, I think they could easily drop all three this weekend. I mean, in in the the times that I've watched Bianco play modern McDonald Louisville teams, um, it, it's been outmatched. And then you add in the fact that it's opening weekend against a team full of freshmen. They're throwing a junior lefty tomorrow that had some really good stats last year. Um, they could easily lose the first three. You know, they turn around and win the next five. It's not crazy. Uh, February 25th, I think that's one to watch, John. Southern Miss in Oxford on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, you know, Southern Miss is always a tough out for Mississippi teams. You know, they're going to come and want that win in Oxford. So to me, no matter what happens this weekend, and obviously I think, I hope there'll be exciting games. Um, that game to me kind of tells us if they're, I'd say if they, if they beat Southern Miss, assuming this is a, a, a normal Southern Miss team that is like pretty good. Um, that tells me that they, they can maybe be competitive against some of the better teams in the league. Um, they're going to go to East Carolina for a tournament. Um, the weekend after that. Okay. They have Memphis, another similar kind of bellwether game. Memphis always gets up for Ole Miss in baseball. And they have Princeton at home. Doesn't really tell you anything. At ULM, probably doesn't tell you anything there. And they're going to open this, the uh, SEC season with LSU and Oxford. So, I mean, that's that's right off the bat. you, you got to play LSU, but at least you don't have to play them in Alex Box. Uh, where up until last year, you hadn't won a series since, like, the 80s. Um, at Texas A&M is rough. That's a tough draw. They get Arkansas at home, which is better than having to play there. South Carolina at home, again, better. Uh, you got to go to Mississippi State. You get Vanderbilt at home. At Florida is tough. At Georgia, don't even think about them, but probably not that bad. Auburn at home. At Alabama. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, John. I really think this season could go from, like you said, just very poorly to they could they could be a. I mean, I want to say they could host, but you got to start counting the wins here. There's a there's a lot of. A lot of tough games on the schedule, as you said. This is number one strength of schedule in the country, I want to say. I think that's right. Very, very good strength of schedule, so I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, they're going to go like 13 and 17 in the league. They're going to miss the tournament, then go on the road somewhere and get out immediately? I think I think Bianco gets fired. Okay. Are you thinking of hire uh, Mickey Calloway? Hell, I don't know. Maybe. It could be. They should hire A.J. Hinch. <laughs> he's available. Yeah, and he's on the market. They can break in the GM. They can devise their own sign stealing sign. Sure. Fine. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of man, uh, the Astros like all apologized today at spring training. It was just the most cringe. Apparently, thing, man. most pathetic. Most it, pathetic. 
Ever it was had, rough, so. man. The, the the PR brain behind that, I'm not sure what the plan was. Um, I, I was just like watching the apologies. Like, guys, I didn't know we were just like admitting it at this point. Like, why, why not just deny it forever? What do we really gain from that? We already got punished. And now, I mean, I just hey, I don't, Hugh, I don't Hugh Freeze never had that burner phone, okay, in case anybody's asking. You know? Well, I mean, Hugh Freeze is smart enough to know not to own up and apologize. When, when has Hugh Freeze ever apologized? He just prays. Only Jesus Christ can handle his junk. Yeah, and that's exactly, and that's uh, that's that's public relations right there. Just deflect and change the conversation. Talk about Jesus or whatever. There's no need to talk about how you stole signs. Come on. Signs. Then, what kind? Of- Signs, signs everywhere. The signs. I love that everywhere. song. I love that song. Maybe we'll use that later at the end of the show. Um. All right. So John thinks Bianco does poorly and gets fired. I guess we'll see. What are you What are you going to say next week after they they go three and zero against Louisville? He's still getting fired. <laughs> nah. There's you know you know why? Because they get in the postseason and them fuckers get tight every damn year. Yeah, okay. but Ole Miss isn't good enough to fire people for the postseason. Ole Miss is happy just to be nominated. You give a you give an Ole Miss fan like a a forty one season, they don't care what happened. I mean, they'll complain about it, but at the end of the day, come on, they they got to win for three months. That's what really matters to an Ole Miss fan. That's a loser mentality. You know, that's that's you know what matters even more to an Ole Miss fan. What's that? Football. Yep. I mean, we're all just biding our time until football, right? I mean, the best thing that happened to Bianco is Lane Kiffin got hired. Yeah, and I said that about Kermit having a bad season too. But yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of football, do you think, is this Kermit team gonna sneak its way into maybe being in the conversation or not? Well, uh, I I don't think that they win this weekend at Rupp. So you know, if that was to happen, then yeah, they're they're. I mean, if that was to happen, they're five and seven in the SEC with a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. But let's assume they lose. And, yeah, while you're here, let's talk about this. Because I've been looking at this Ole Miss basketball mm-hmm. schedule down the stretch, right? So beating Howland in Oxford was was big. They were down by 13. They won by 25. It was a huge turnaround. The, something like a plus 40 run in the game. It was insane. Um, so that was the first big thing that had to happen. After I already mentioned, they they beat South Carolina. They beat Florida. They won two. And they oh, Mississippi State was the third. So that puts them at four and seven. Let's assume they lose this weekend at Rupp. Um, you know, pretty safe assumption there. They're they're four and eight. So they win at Missouri, beat Alabama at home. I, what I'll say is, let's say they split Alabama at Oxford and Ole Miss at Auburn, right? So at that point, they would be uh, six and nine, right? So then down the stretch, you got Vanderbilt at home. Missouri at home, and then at Mississippi State. You could be playing at Mississippi State to go nine and nine in conference, and and for a team that started out what one and seven, that's a pretty oh, huge. Whatever it was, yeah, that's a pretty huge turnaround. Yeah, they started out, uh, yeah, zero and five, beat Georgia, and then they got to one and seven. I mean, if you can find a way to get to nine and nine, that's huge. If you were to win this weekend, or if you were to beat Alabama and Auburn. Finish with a winning record. If if you find a way to get to ten and eight, I'd say you're 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 suddenly very much in the conversation because the committee sees a team that got hot, good story. You know they know Kermit's a, a good coach that is going to have them playing well. Hopefully in the tournament, uh, you won a game in the SEC tournament, and I would say you're almost certainly in there at nine and nine. 
you win two games, and I, I think you're in the conversation. At the very least, I think you're going to the NIT, um, which is going to be good for next year when you have to replace Tyree. You need to keep getting these guys some reps. But it, it they, they are playing very differently right now. A big part of it is Schuler. He was really the secret last year when Schuler was hurt, when Schuler was off his game. They they weren't the same team. Um, and, and seeing Schuler playing well right now is the secret. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue that. they got seven games left. And really only, I mean, at Kentucky, at Auburn, and at State are probably the hardest ones. Um, I'm not sure. Let me look at Alabama this year. I don't know what, I think they're okay. Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're not, they don't look like they're world beaters by any stretch. They did beat Auburn, but that's really the only good one they have here. They beat State. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. And, and again, this is all, this is all coaching if they're able to keep the turnaround going. Um, I guess eight and ten is probably the most likely finish, but still eight and ten after being one and seven is respectable. You you didn't you didn't come close to hanging it up, so I think that's pretty good. I'll be happy with that. Yeah. So it's just an NIT team. I'd, I'd say eight and ten, probably in the NIT. Yeah. Alright. I mean that's I, that's it's a big turnaround from the 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 depths of zero and five, one and seven. So here, here's I would, what I was gonna say, John, about. Football, though. You ready to talk about football? Talk about football. Okay, so the S&P preseason rankings come out today. Did you see this? No. All right, so before we before we talk about Ole Miss's schedule, we'll just go to the top ten real quick. You know, start brushing up on uh, the, the landscape of college football in general. So this is Bill Connolly's S&P Plus. Uh, he's done it for a long time. He works for ESPN now, which is good for him. Really moving up from SB Nation. Um. You know, yada yada. His his rankings are based on returning production, recent recruiting, recent history. Um, overall, I think they've turned out to be pretty good indicators of where people are going to finish. So you got Alabama number one, Ohio State number two, Clemson number three, which is interesting. Um, Georgia number four. I guess the real Penn State number five. I guess the real interesting one is LSU at number six after they so dominantly won the playoff. But of course, no Joe Burrow. Lose a lot of other things on that team. Florida number seven. I think Florida's going to be good next year. I'm high on Dan Mullen. And Gainesville, Oklahoma number eight. Wisconsin number nine. A&M number ten. That's that's going to be a, a classic lofty expectation and letdown for A&M this season, if I had to guess. But um, Auburn number eleven, and it goes on from there. So let's talk about these rankings in the context of Ole Miss's season next year. It, it's pretty interesting because he has. He has Ole Miss at number 37. Pretty good, especially for a first-year head coach. Um, and here's the schedule. So Baylor and Houston, that's number 33. It's a gettable game if you're using these uh, these rankings to, de- to decide um, how good a team is. Southeast Missouri is not ranked. Auburn is number 11. At LSU, number 6. Bama, number 1. So that's that's a tough that's a tough run, of course. 11-6-1. Um, if you lose to Baylor, you're looking at 1-4 for sure. But then you got Vandy 101, Florida number seven, as I mentioned, UConn 126, AM 10, and then we got Arkansas 76, Georgia State 89, Mississippi State 43. So if you if you use these rankings, Ole Miss is the better team in six of the twelve games next year, and then Baylor is only four spots better. So that's that's an interesting way to look at it if you're trying to set expectations for next year. I think a lot of people were thinking, you know, six wins, five wins would be a stretch even. Um, it definitely helps that Baylor lost Matt Rule. You're bringing in Aranda as a first-year head coach. To me, that makes that matchup look pretty favorable to Ole Miss. Um, 
And then, you know, you, you could be playing against State and Mike Leach for your sixth or seventh win. Should be a fun game there. I just, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, but nothing super surprising here, I guess. I guess Baylor 33 and Ole Miss 37, that's kind of the biggest story of these rankings as it pertains to next season for Ole Miss. I don't know if that's right. This doesn't feel right. You think you think Ole Miss is overrated there? I think Baylor's underrated. Well, I think they lost a lot. I won't I won't pretend to be an expert on Baylor's roster, but I think that's got to be the reasoning there. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of shit to unfuck after last year. I mean, yeah, that's true. I've never seen an offense managed so bad. Let's see. So he says about Baylor, um, SMP, SMP Plus doesn't have anything to do with coaching changes, uh, but he still has major doubts about the Bears. Have to replace four out of five offensive linemen, three out of four linebackers. Oh, sorry, four out of five defensive linemen, three out of four linebackers, and four out of five DBs from a top 20 defense. That's good news. That's a, that's a lot of defensive turnover. Hey, Lane, we believe in Lane's offense to move the ball. Hey, Luke left some pieces, right? I mean, you would think Lane would put something together. He's going to have a good backfield. Yep, yep. And I don't know who's going to play quarterback, but hopefully he's going to have them playing within their skill set. Has, has some decent pass catchers. Uh, I think, go ahead. Wild cards the O-line. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think after this year... There's gonna be just complete panic from Ole Miss. They're gonna they're gonna need to find like some plug and play linemen in this next recruiting class. That they got to go out and find a Greg Little, Larry Tunsil type guy if they want to keep improving on offense. I think the offensive line is um, quickly aging out. Luke hasn't recruited that many guys in the last couple cycles. Or he's recruited a lot, but they've just been a lot of three stars. I agree. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the schedule next year because right off the bat, you, you get to see them against a team that is, is, was, was pretty good this last year. I mean, won a lot of games, uh, some close games in a, in a pretty mediocre conference, but you, you get a good test on a neutral field to start the season. Um, and even if you get bludgeoned by Auburn, LSU and Bama, if you, if you start out two and oh, I think you're feeling good, um, with the potential to be three and three playing Florida and Oxford, um, that, that will, I think be a tough game, but also we've seen Mullen teams at Florida the last couple of years, just have be a little confusing at times. So maybe that's a game that they, they steal, um, you know, and then the last, the last five games you get UConn, Arkansas, Georgia Southern and, and Mike Leach. So, um, if you can, if you can keep your head above water in the first half of the schedule, there's a, there's definitely probably a path to bowl game, uh, Really, as long as you as long as you start one and four or better, you, you can find a way to get to a bowl game. You would think, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because e- even if you only beat Southeast Missouri, you can beat at Vandy, UConn, at Arkansas, Georgia Southern, and State. Five out of six in the year, or sorry, six out of seven in the year, and go to go to a bowl. Five out of seven, sorry. Oh, so yeah, it'll be interesting next year. It'll Ball. be interesting. Music City, Liberty, what are we talking about here? Well, it doesn't really matter, right? It's a first-year head coach. Just to, to go somewhere. I mean, freeze under the Birmingham Bowl, right? Yep. And uh, and beat uh, Pitt, I want to say? 
Yep. And that was that was Pitt's like third consecutive Birmingham Bowl or something. Mm-hmm. That's brutal, man. That's that's sad for those kids. You get to earn a postseason vacation to Birmingham. Birmingham's not a bad city, but that bowl in particular is depressing. That that stadium, it's that's pretty. No, rough. we're shooting for at the end of the season. It's pretty rough. I mean, at Pitt, maybe it is. I don't know, but that's pretty rough. Well, Michigan State just had to hire a coach, huh? It's, I thought I thought Mississippi State replacing Moorhead was late in the in the cycle, but Michigan State says, "Hold my beer." New head coach in February. Yeah, I'll be to see what I mean if there's a uh, report with the whole Masters Master scandal coming out soon. That, oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh, wow, that would be interesting, huh? I mean, what else would explain the timing of the change? Yeah. And maybe a, I maybe a personal thing. If I don't know, maybe a, a scandal of a different color potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait. So Mel Tucker, I I don't think I heard of this guy. He was the coach at Colorado. Is that right? Last year, former Alabama and Georgia defensive coordinator, hmm. uh, Colorado coach, did nothing spectacular at all. Right, five and seven at Colorado. He's making He's like some, five million bucks. Interesting. During this job, so it's interesting. Seems like coaches jumping after one year is is getting more common. I mean, no, uh, no disrespect. You know, get that money. That's cool. Um, I feel like we see it more and more these days. It didn't Taggart leave Oregon after one year? Maybe it was two. Uh, see, Taggart. I think Taggart was at Oregon after one. Yeah, I think he was too. I want to say it was the same thing. Um, hmm. Interesting. These young coaches, I don't know. I'm sure it will continue to happen more and more frequently because just like we see, there are you know college players transferring after being benched one season and stuff. It's a it's like a win now society. You got to get in. I mean, if you can get a better offer, go somewhere better. You got to do it. So I don't blame them at all. Yep. Amen. Good for Tucker. I mean, I'm sure Colorado wasn't going to pay him five million dollars, and and who wants to be at Colorado anyway for a football school? Yep. Oh, all right. Uh, let's see. What you guys watch the? Uh, you watch the Celtics up there, John? Yeah, they're playing the Clippers right now. Oh, really? What's the score? It is uh, age of seventy-five Celtics with four fourteen left in the third quarter. Okay. Yeah, the Rockets just beat the Celtics. I've been, I've recently become a, a huge Rockets fan. Who's your favorite player? I mean, it's tough when you have Harden and Westbrook. Um, honestly, what's funny is before I really started watching the Rockets, I thought I really, I thought Capella was a good player, but I guess it turns out he was shit and we traded him. We don't even need a center anymore. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it's fun is because they're doing this crazy thing where they play like six, six is the tallest guy on the court for them. They just play like extreme small ball. I watched that game against the Lakers. Um, and it, it was almost like Davis and LeBron didn't really know what to do with it. Like Davis especially looked very uncomfortable being guarded by like a much quicker, smaller guy. Uh, and then the the way they move the ball is just really fun to watch. I mean, they're making like fourth and fifth passes or racing the court to, to set up threes. Everybody on the court can shoot and make threes. So it's a fun style of basketball. I mean, basically they're saying we will give you easy twos because we know we're going to shoot and make so many threes that if you don't make your threes, you're not going to be able to beat us. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, it, it's definitely interesting. So you're a Harden fan? Yeah, I like Harden for sure, and I like Westbrook too. I've always liked Westbrook, um, the way he plays. But oh, 
it's hard and you have to travel on every shot. Yeah, yeah, you sound like an old fogey. It's 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 an evolving game, man. Let them let them play. Let them get their offense. Yeah, sure. Okay. Harden, Harden and Westbrook are like the highest scoring duo uh, since Shaq and and Kobe, I believe. Hmm. Or actually, I mean, more than them, I should say. Sorry, I just saw a stat about this. I'm trying to look it up now so I can yeah, quote yeah. it exactly. I'll, I'll Google that picture of them holding up the NBA title. And then, yeah. Hey, yeah. wait on it, man. They're, they're going to do it in a revolutionary way where they don't have anybody over 6'6". Hey, their biggest competition in the West right now is the Lakers, and they beat them in L.A., so... All right, all we'll right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Fair enough. They're averaging like 62 points a game or something in the last two months combined. So they're both over 30 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's something. I don't know. The games are fun. We, we live uh, just a couple minutes from the from the arena. Take the train. It's yeah. super, super easy. It's right over here on our side of downtown. So it's nice, man. And they're cheap, too. We got a... Uh, we got two tickets, two hot dogs, two beers for fifty bucks last week, so it's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great deal. There you go, awesome. Yeah, and then uh, the other big thing here is the rodeo. I don't know if you ever heard about the Houston rodeo before, or if we talked about it before. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like people are, like obsessed with it here, so that's coming up next month. It'll be my first experience with it. That should be fun. There you go. Yeah. All that's right. Up. Well. That's about it. It's the dead time of the year for sure. Yep. Bernie wins New Hampshire signing day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden and Warren get slapped. I think we might have sent Biden home when you, when this is all said and done. Looking well, back. Biden's, Biden's going to get a little jolt of life support, it seems, in South Carolina. But, yeah, you knew it was bad for him when he uh, he left New Hampshire at, like, in the middle of the day on the primary day and like just went to South Carolina. It's like, Oh, that's, that's not a good sign. Do the Dems really want somebody that to win South Carolina that gets smoked everywhere else? I mean, is that, I don't know if they wanted to be the nom. I'm just saying maybe he's going to, he'll survive a little longer. I think after, after South Carolina, potentially assuming it goes as what. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to get the nomination. I mean, it's, he's, he, he and Warren both have kind of, really mm-hmm. fallen behind uh, lately. We'll see if they can turn that around in these more uh, diverse states. So we'll see. We shall see. Yeah. I, did, I, did, I just think Biden is very unexciting uh, candidate and, and also just a little bit senile. So it doesn't really... People talk about Bernie's age, but you watch him talk and he's very sharp and very much like seems like he's talking, knows what he's talking about. Biden does not really give the same impression. That is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, John, have fun in Germany. Uh, drink some, drink some beers for uh, us, us people here in America watching college baseball. Um, I'm sure you'll be in a in a different state of mind completely. Go to a, go to a, a football game. Go see some uh, Bayern Munich or something over there. We'll see. I have to see if. What tickets? Where, so you're in you're in Munich for a day. Where do you? What city do you go to after that? Uh, Augsburg is where our headquarters is. Augsburg, about a, cool. About an hour west of. Munich. And then how long? You take the train out there? Yeah, I'll take the train. Not, are the trains the trains nice? Yeah, if you get the it depends on which one you go. If you go to the express, it's about th- half an hour. Mm. Nice. So I wish we had I wish we had nationwide trains here that were nice but oh well uh and then how long are you going to be uh in augsburg for before you come back to the states uh i'm there till wednesday night 
fly. Uh, I'm actually I'm stopping in our UK office for a day. Just nice, some fish and chips. Never, never seen it. We do some IT support there, so fly there Wednesday night. Spend the, uh, visit them Thursday, and then fly from Manchester, England, back on Friday. Very nice. Uh, while you're in the UK, you gotta eat some eat some Nando's if you've never had it. Never had Nando's. I'll oh, check it's, that out. it's super good. Yeah, it's like a South South African chicken chain, and it's just delicious and really good. Like uh, sides and get like the uh, they have like a dipping sauce for the fries and the chicken, like Perinaise. Oh, it's so good. Like when we were in London, we ate there like three times over the course of a week. It's very good. All right. So that's, that's my it. tip. That's my UK tip for you. Other tip would be you're only there for a day, but if also they they have they have very good Indian food uh, in in London. I don't know if you're in London or a different part of the UK, but I'm in Manchester over there on the. Uh, well, you can probably northern. get a good you can probably get a good tikka masala, but I would say definitely find a Nando's. I'm sure they'll have one there. Nando's now no Indian food to me is the best thing to eat in London by a mile. Just yeah. From a, yeah, the, the only problem with the, the Indian food in London, it's really good flavor. Um, they, they don't make it spicy enough, but, I mean, what are you going to do? That's the Brits for you, I guess. But some really good Indian restaurants over there. Better than anything else from a spice standpoint. Well, that's so. true. Yeah. yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. All right. Well, enjoy, John. Have a good trip. Stay safe. Uh, until next time, uh, I'll talk to you later. Look in the mirror, say, bitch, I'm the best, 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 best. Wait till the blast, 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 blast. Bitch, I'm the best, 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 best. Wait till the blast, 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 blast. No matter why I try, 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 you can never be me, never I, I, I. Keep petting from the side, side, side. Let me take this blood clot worldwide, wide.